Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Okay, here we are. Charles Moskowitz, thanks for joining me, everyone. Welcome to the program, live on YouTube and on subscribing platforms. Jay Dyer is here from Jay's Analysis. You know, Jay, I would describe you as a Renaissance man, as someone who was kind of a fallback from previous times. You're, I follow your videos. You're, you're extremely well-read, and you have a lot of deep intellectual thought on just so many areas. I barely know where to start. I mean, you know, the culture religion, history, politics. I mean, it's really a you know, truly well-rounded uh, mind and someone who has really thought out very deeply on a lot of issues. So I really admire that. And yeah, it's an honor to I'm, have you here. I, you're too kind. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like the more you learn, the more the, the less you know. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, you realize how much more and more you, you didn't know. And you know, there's, there's always a whole other uh, arena that you didn't even see before, but I was listening to your stream that you did the other day with, um, uh, Mr. Horowitz and you brought up something that it was weird because that day I had watched the Irishman, you know, the, the, la the last Martin Scorsese movie. And I noticed in the film, there's even a nod to how they got JFK elected by relying on Momo, Sam Giancana and the Mafia, that's even in the movie. And so I, was, I just watched the movie and then I was listening to you guys talk about it. It was pretty crazy. Well, you know, that's something that, that I mean, they even brag about that. I mean, that's part yeah. of almost a folklore. Uh, right. JFK Jr. made reference to it before he his untimely death when he talked about thanking Chicago. He said that um, it was um, the best deal that he had gotten since the election of his father. And, I didn't um, know that, <laughs> but yeah. that makes sense, yeah. Now, I mean, obviously, what is more important a topic to discuss right now than what I would describe as an attempted coup d'etat and what it implies? Um, it, these are very, very serious situation we're in. Um, and, um, you know, it, because of um, the censored media, it's almost difficult to discuss it too explicitly, but we, we ought to address what is actually happening right now. What, as the Israelis like to say, What's what's uh, what's you know what are the facts on the ground, and also I want to ask you about this more this broader question about the Great Reset, which uh, 
is something that, I mean, I, I've watched you talk about it and I think that you make the case that what we're seeing with that will be a complete seismic shift in the way we understand the universe, the way we understand ourselves. But before we go there, let's talk about the facts on the ground. What, what do you know about the coup? Well, we saw the signaling months ago, uh, you know, with uh, Clinton, Pelosi, uh, different figures saying that there was uh, even the uh, foreign affairs had an article out about this, that, that there would even possibly be the need to use the military to remove Trump if this was the case. Uh, it didn't it didn't come to that, although it could still come to that. But uh, it didn't come to that because they had, uh, if you read, uh, Roger Stone had a great piece uh, in Gateway Pundit that actually laid out, I think, four or five days before the election, exactly what would happen. It was shocking. It was almost like somehow Roger Stone knew the entire <laughs> plan of what they would do. And he said, uh, this coup is going to happen through. And Trump himself, too, had been saying that there would be, uh, you know, questions about illegal ballots, this kind of stuff, all, all the, the mail-in ballots, all that stuff. So it was kind of telegraphed. They knew ahead of time. And uh, and it was, I guess what's surprising to me is how open uh, it's just sort of like, they don't even care. That's all of this evidence out in the open. And uh, you know, the dominion software, smartmatic, all of this stuff is just really easy to verify. Gateway pundit has covered it. Well, uh, it's not even really debatable. It's kind of, it's kind of amazing, really the, the openness of it. And uh, so they, rather than military, they used, they utilized uh, the uh, stealing, just mm -hmm. steal the election. Uh, and, and I think the most the most evident piece of data to show this was I was watching the night of the election and all the states that were the key, you know, swing states, they just froze it. What? Right. I mean, I mean, in a sense, you know, you and I have talked about it and you've talked about it at length, the the way that what we might broadly call the conspiracy, the sort of the international establishment, they've used war, they've used oppression, they've used uh, famine. They've used holocausts. They've used, uh, you know, inflating and deflating the currency to in order to consolidate international power. And now they're using uh, the the obvious, which is something that people in the know have been talking about, and that is digital control. You know, use of satellites, use of computer technology, um, the implementation ultimately of chips into people. Um, and I think that that's how they're they're doing this. Obviously, with the uh, the Dominion software, the evidence is just incredible. I mean, I think that Sidney Powell has laid it out brilliantly in what she calls the so-called Kraken in cases in Georgia and uh, Michigan. And it's really obvious. And it's in, as you say, it's being done in broad daylight. You know, they, they shut down the, the computer software at a, precisely the same minute in the states that would be targeted. It works in the way, the way, the way Wall Street will have a stop loss. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. You know, if you have a stop loss put on an investment and it drops below a certain number, these the everything turns and it automatically sells. Well, I think that then this is I mean, I guess it's my theory, but it seems like they've programmed the uh, the software to to stop once if Trump reached a certain number and yeah, uh, it blew up the system. And we saw this strange phenomena of the election counting stopping in Michigan, in certain counties, and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and in parts of Georgia. Uh, no one, everybody knows this is what happens, including all the liberals who are deluded enough to want this to happen. 
and uh, it's just in broad daylight. It's astonishing. In a sense, it's a it's a commentary on how far we've slipped yeah. as a society in terms of our ability to think cognitively and in our moral compass. Yeah, I think that's a good point that, uh, you know, it used to be if this kind of stuff was going on, they would be more uh, hidden about it. <laughs> there would be yeah. more, more subterfuge. It would be covered up. Now they don't even care. They feel like because the media is essentially all on board with this, they don't have to worry about any exposure. And I mean, it's kind of a, I mean, it's like every little detail here is astonishing. I mean, no coverage of, of Trump responding to this stuff, all the right. blackout except for uh, like right side broadcasting and, uh, you know, Infowars, a couple places that nobody else will cover this stuff. Uh, and they so they're shutting him out. They're trying to alienate him from having any kind of voice. And we knew they were going to do that with the signaling that had been done through the censoring on Twitter and so forth. So. Uh, it's not that we didn't expect it. It's just, I guess, the brazenness that's that's kind of shocking everybody. And it's kind of a form of gaslighting, really, to, because they'll. it's like the New York, New York Times put this piece out saying, oh, there is no such thing as Great Reset, as all the people from the World Economic Forum openly say, as the mainstream media also says, there's a Great Reset. <laughs> so it's like, it's it, astonishing, that's a, yeah. a double thing. And the outright lying is something that's become acceptable because it's so heretically sealed amongst the major players and that the media is really at this point controlled by maybe a handful of players, probably as many as you can count on one hand. And that they're saying, oh, there's no evidence. Everyone knows that's a lie. And, uh, you know, when, when you have Giuliani give a, give a uh, take hearings in, uh, in Gettysburg, which the, the hearings, if anyone listens to it, it's really shocking, the level of um, corruption that has seeped into that state. They don't play any of it. All they'll show is, um, you know, an unflattering picture of Giuliani and say, you know, they talk about what he looks like. I mean, it's so, right? I mean, it's so obviously. Uh, and yet I think that the tide is turning in Pennsylvania. People, the state is blowing up. You've got uh, state legislators and the state, they're still controlled by Republicans. They're getting swamped by complaints from their constituents. So that's yeah. how the system has to work. They're like, hey, if you don't do something about it, we're gonna kick you out of office. So they are having uh, almost a rebellion in terms of reasserting their, their sovereign constitutional authority to appoint delegates. And if they do that, then Pennsylvania is going to flip to Trump. Yeah, I still think there is a chance. Uh, I, I Enough that I went down to Georgia and participated in protests. That's not something I've typically done. I've never bullhorned before, but it was my first time. It was a fun experience to wow. go out and bullhorn. Uh, and we, we bullhorned uh, the governor's mansion. We bullhorned the state capitol for uh, multiple days. It, it, I think, I don't know if that itself caused anything, but, you know, by that third day of the protest, I mean, there was just thousands and thousands of people out there who had, had finally showed up, maybe 20 or 30 Antifa. It wasn't that big of a of a crowd on, on the other side. But, um, you know, people, everybody there knew what was going on. They could see that everybody knew that this was fraud. I mean, so I think that the numbers are on, the side of us who recognize what's going on and the numbers are much smaller on the other side but they have that big media conglomerate that can just kind of hold pull the wool over everybody's eyes and distract them with all this nonsense and but i, I you know i don't know how much longer that's going to work uh uh it's, it's and, I, and i wanted to mention too that it reminds me of uh, you know i've been talking a lot about the the um the color revolution model and uh you know the, the election election theft is also part of that color revolution model in many of these cases 
And so I, I appreciate that Roger Stone called that out in his his article because um, I think that's I think they had this all kind of uh, ready to go. You know, if 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 Russia Gate didn't work, it didn't work. It collapsed. It was all a bunch of nonsense. This was the backup plan, including probably some kind of military type of plan. If the election thing didn't work, they probably would have tried to pull some kind of military coup to get rid of Trump. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was all just so publicly telegraphed. Even all the coup stuff. It's just it's really amazing. Yes. And uh, I follow Bill Still. He's a reporter that's been in Washington going back to the 60s. I've interviewed him in the past. He's pretty solid. Uh, Is he the guy that did the Federal Reserve documentaries? Yes. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I remember him. Yeah. Great guy. He has a pretty solid piece. And he says that he's got information indicating that on the night of the election, there, had, there was a military incident somewhere near Frankfurt, Germany. Where, oh, yes. I read about this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, we don't know the details. He says that that several patriotic um, members of a of a team that he's not sure whom they're associated with, apparently they call themselves the Kraken, went in and seized the servers that were being used by uh, Smartmatic and Dominion Software. Apparently several patriots may have lost their lives in that incident. There was a gunfight, but that they did were able to secure the servers, which means that Maybe right now they're analyzing those and we're going to get some information about what actually happened. Yeah, I dug up some old reports. I was re researching that the other night and this is speculative. I can't prove it, but uh, there were some old news reports from a couple of years ago about, uh, I think it was when the Vault 7 WikiLeaks came out. Vault 7 discussed the ability of the CIA to not just spoof um, the apparent attacks from other countries, which is, I think is probably what was going on uh, with the, so-called uh, Russian hacking the election. I said a long time ago, back in 2016, I think that that was probably a uh, 2017. That was that was linked to the Vault Seven type of approach where, where, that they talked about, where they could make it look like you know another country was hacking when it wasn't. It was actually the CIA engaged in that. And another thing that's mentioned in those cables and the Vault, or excuse me, the Vault Seven leak is the ability to hack elections. Now the CIA had in that in that that WikiLeaks Vault 7 discussion, a, um, a base in, in Frankfurt, I think, I believe it was Frankfurt, where they were mm -hmm. the sort of the hub, it was a hub of doing this kind of stuff over in Germany. So my suspicion is that it's probably linked to that. I, I can't prove that, but uh, I have done research on uh, history of the CIA in Germany. They have a huge presence there. They've been there for many years. If, if, if you recall, there was a journalist, uh, Udo, Udo Ulfkota, who uh, I think ended up dead a couple of years ago. But as soon as he came out and said, yes, the CIA pays off all the uh, journalists in Germany, uh, he seems to have disappeared after that. So, uh, but that was all really public. Right. And also on that subject, what's public is the uh, Project Mockingbird, which came out oh, as yeah. a result of the Definitely. church committee hearings in the late 1970s, which indicates that the CIA was paying in cash journalists to cover various aspects of what they were doing. And that goes all the way back to the 1940s with Walter right. Winchell. I mean, that's not new. And uh, so that might explain part of why the, uh, why the journalists and why the media since Trump's been elected have been so viciously anti-Trump to the point where they can't admit anything that, that he does that's positive. And that, you know, and it's very coordinated. If you watch Lester Holt and you watch the six o'clock news, they all cover the exact same story with almost the same wording, um, yeah. you know, and it's, uh, 
and, and that still holds a lot of power in this country because most people still look to that for their information. They don't, you know, they're not as, as astute as going online. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Looking at uncensored news, and uh, the standards, of course, have gone right down the tubes. They'll run a, a story with one anonymous source, you know, and then they'll there's some cr- crazy story. And then the next day they rescind it and apologize, but the damage has been done. It's propaganda. You know, they, they've, it's been out there for a day so they can bash Trump. And I mean, I, I, I was assuming that most people understood this in this country, and I think most people do understand it, which is why I think Trump probably won by a landslide. I think older people see this. Uh, I think the younger you get, the more kind of bought into the the brainwashing people are. Uh, they haven't lived long enough to see corruption and, and understand how, you know, scams and con artistry and all this stuff works. Because um, I've had a lot of discussions and, and talks with uh, with people, you know, millennial and younger. And a lot of them seem to have bought into the whole, you know, they it's the same idea of people that bought into Obama's rhetoric that, oh, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. And then he, he doesn't do any of that. Um, and I think that, that that age group, uh, there's a lot of people that buy into this nonsense. They think Biden and Kamala are, <laughs> I don't know what they think they are, but. Um, I've seen it myself. Yeah. So I, I, I think, uh, I think you're right that, to, do you know what I'm talking about, by the way? I don't mean to change the subject, but uh, I'm just trying to make sure I remember it correctly. Doesn't, if it's Vault 7 that discusses, do you remember if it was uh, uh, Frankfurt that they had a. Yeah. I mean, okay. I heard, I, and there's also a major whistleblower, a former CIA agent who was on the record. I, I can't recall his name, but uh, he's talking about how they developed this technology going back to responding yes. to 9-11 that, that can switch okay. uh, information, um, you know, digitally, and that a lot of these voting machines were connected to the internet at the time of the election, which is illegal. Uh, um, okay. The In fact, uh, part of the, um, the uh, Sidney Powell uh, case in Georgia is calling for criminal investigation yeah. and the seizure of these machines to find out exactly how that happened. Um, the forces that they're up against in Georgia apparently are very corrupt. Yeah. And that includes allegedly, and I'm saying allegedly, the governor and the secretary of state. And, um, you know, the, the, the this Dominion software worked their way into these states with huge contracts. And um, Sidney Powell makes some pretty outrageous connections between those contracts, particularly in Georgia, apparently, with a hundred million dollar contract, and people in various families getting uh, good, uh, you know, payoffs for that. I don't want to get into specifics because we will get in trouble. But it, you know, th- there's a lot going on with that. I mean, just old-fashioned corruption. And Georgia's kind of a case study because 
the kind of election fraud that went on there is just at all levels, the old fashioned kind, you know, where they stuff the ballot box and after the polls close, they have corrupt local, uh, you know, ward healers go in and, and uh, vote everyone that hadn't voted. Like they used to do in Boston, in my hometown, you know, the, the, the novel, The Lost Hurrah talks about this, you know, with James Michael Curley, it's nothing new. But that combined with the, the fact that Georgia, I think more than any other state has used the uh, electronic voting. It's just, you know, the, the place is just rotten. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it has to be investigated if we're ever gonna have another free election. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, they, they've been talking a long time uh, about making uh, Atlanta into kind of a, uh, you know, uh, North American Union hub. I remember 20 years ago, they were saying maybe Atlanta would be the kind of the hub of the future, you know, integrated world government and this kind of stuff. And they would try to make it into a smart city and all this kind of stuff. But uh, I, I didn't even think about how corrupt it was until I really started looking into the, what's going on through this election. And you know, when you get down there, uh, the, the sad part is, is that you got this vast, huge city, this megalopolis, and we were down there for three or four days and the streets are almost empty. Now, and people keep, people came out at night, but it, it, what, what, I, what I'm getting at is why would you vote uh, against your own self-interest? You know, let's say you have a business. I mean, do you want your business to go out of business? I can't. Why would you vote for more of these crazy, you know, L-O-C-K downs and all this kind of stuff? Um, it's just, it's just amazing to me that you would have such a, uh, uh, centralization of that democratic power base in the big cities like that, such that even the business owners are willing to put themselves out of business. I, I, I just can't fathom if we're at a point where, you know, a, uh, you know, as a Rand corporation talked about rational choice theory, that people will choose on the basis of their own self-interest. And now we're at a, we're in a situation where people vote against their own self-interest. This is crazy. No, I mean, the fact of the matter, I think, I can't say for sure, is that they didn't vote against their own self-interest, that that's, this is a fraud. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, it's obvious to look at it. Now, you make reference to Atlanta being one of these hubs for world order and being wired as a city of the international establishment. And you talk about how in Davos, they have talked about the, um, the Great Reset. So I want to talk a little bit about that. What is the Great Reset? I think it harkens to uh, the idea of technocrats. Technocrats come out of uh, about 100 years ago, the a socialist ideology that, that thought that you could basically mechanize uh, and autom automate every area of life and society and that this could somehow produce the utopia. Um, and that 1920s, 30s era uh, technocracy ideology goes back to uh, French theorists, French revolutionary uh, characters, uh, Saint Just, Saint Simon, and you can go all the way back to uh, Weishaupt and the, uh, the Jacobins in the French Revolution who thought that you could kind of wipe out everything that prior existed in a culture and society and just start anew, just, just start it over, just hit, hit the reset button. Uh, and this included even, you know, getting rid of the um, calendar, right? So the, the French revolutionary people right. had this crazy calendar of Thermidor and they made up all these uh, civic holidays and whatnot. And so it has those models and those, those elements. Uh, it's just the latest version of this and it shares patterns with Maoism as well. You know, Mao took the uh, brainwashed the youth, got them to wipe out the, the previous Chinese culture. And that's the idea here is that you can basically just reset everything, wipe everything out, 
Uh, and I think that's what they want to go for. And so a lot of the elite books that I've read, that they, they have those sort of key dates, 2020, 2030, 2050. So I, I think that 2020 was one of those key dates for kind of ushering in the first phase of this transition. Uh, and uh, as uh, even Justin Trudeau, even Boris Johnson, you know, they're now even just the political puppets are coming out and saying, oh, yeah, this is a, a chance for this great reset. This is our chance. We got to jump on this chance. And uh, just to sum it up, uh, thankfully, the World Economic Forum has made it very easy for us to understand what they what they plan, because they put out an eight point video uh, that went viral that they subsequently deleted. Uh, and uh, the eight points were all products will become services. You won't own anything. Klaus even says you won't own anything and you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, carbon tax on all life, uh, you know, breath, everything. And, and I read carbon tax, meaning a tax on your life. You're a, a carbon-based life unit. Mm. Uh, the U.S. will no longer be a superpower. It will be integrated into some sort of world federation. Uh, there will be no more hospitals. So uh, presumably that means that uh, state-mandated uh, health officials will come to you and, you know, violate your mm. safe and space so, body and rights decide, and decide whether or not you're, you're you're a life worth living i may uh, that yeah euthanasia all that stuff exactly death panel um you're not going to have meat anymore uh, so they're going to have this enforced veganism plantopolis type of thing uh, rationing of food uh there will no longer be borders uh borderless world uh, they're going to, they say test and collapse the West. Now, I don't know if they mean morals or uh, markets or all the above, but uh, the West will be pushed to a breaking point, they say. And then oddly, uh, the weirdest of all, the last one is there will be a discovery of alien life. Oh, so there you go. There's your eight uh, points. Uh, it co coincides with Klaus's book uh, where mm -hmm. Klaus lays all this out. This is his 2018 book, by the way, this is not the latest one where he says, use the recent uh, events to to bring this in but that that's what it is sounds a bit like the georgia guidestones and also um, in the 1970s there was this uh, hudson institute uh, conference headed up by economist john kenneth galabraith maybe it was the 60s where they talked about how to implement a socialist international entity and they said they came up with two two trigger points that could cause people to surrender their freedom. The first was climate catastrophe, and we've seen that play out. And the second was alien invasion. So maybe that's now coming to the fore. And if anyone doubts this, I mean, this is an agenda that's been around since the beginning of time. I mean, uh, Whitaker Chambers, the, the, the communist spy who wrote the, the great autobiography witness talks about the world's second oldest religion, which is uh, formed in the Garden of Eden, when, of course, Eden, Eve and Adam entered into a conspiracy to overthrow God by knowing all, knowing good and evil, by partaking of the forbidden fruit, and by basically um, becoming God, becoming as God. And it goes right through every generation since then. You've got Nimrod trying to overthrow God by building the, the Babel, the Tower of Babel. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not new. This is a, a competing philosophy that competes against the moral and ethical code that was put forth at Sinai and that is found in the Bible. Absolutely. Um, and that they are now at the point where they have a new weapon in their quiver. And they always use the most current weapons 
mainly of propaganda, of, of uh, coercion of, of the thought and control of the means of communication, which is what socialism is. And that weapon is technology. They now don't need to drop bombs on cities. You know, they can do it by controlling what you see on the internet. And uh, they can manufacture ideas out of whole cloth electronically. They can do it through satellites. They can do it through a computer chip embedded into your body. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I know it sounds a little, you know, tin hat maybe, but, you know, I do think that that's coming down the pike. Well, Klaus has it in the book. I mean, the, the later chapters in Shaping the Fourth Industrial Revolution are about the integrated Internet of Things, five, guh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to get any uh, flags on anything, exactly. but we'll yeah, five guh, uh, stabs in your arm and butt, uh, and uh, the chip, right? So he says all of this will be an integrated Skynet type of system. And he, he'll reference some of the sci-fi stuff too. In uh, this, this integrated system will basically mean that everything that you do, life to, you know, wound the tomb is tracked and traced and, and controlled. That's the thing here is that we're, we're literally looking at, you know, THX 1138. You know, if you watch that George Lucas movie, we're looking at the dystopian type of movies in reality. That's what he says. So it's not a conspiracy theory if he writes a whole book saying, all of that, and even uh, the the geoengineering. Like he, he has a whole chapter on geoengineering, and he says that it's going to be the the rewrite of all life, even to the point of biology transforming into silicon. He says that that, that we're going to evolve out of being human into some sort of you know, HAL nine thousand from uh, two thousand one, a space odyssey type thing. Now, that's not really what's going to happen. I, I think that's a, a deception, but a lot of people will buy into that deception because they think that you know, these people are really going to bring in a utopia. But every time people try to bring in this earthly utopia, it brings misery. It brings, you know, mass death. It just doesn't work because it's, it's, I would agree, it's ultimately a deception on a spiritual level where people are buying into this lie that, that man can become, you know, omniscient, man can become the deity through technology and so forth. Well, it runs against human nature, which is based on self-interest and property and all the institutions that make us free. And it's based on a, a, an understanding of a creator of the universe that is not human, that's, that is not objective, that is objective, that's outside of us. It's not, uh, you know, they, it can't be manipulated. They, they can't make up stuff. It's, there are immutable truths. Right. There's epistemology. We can access that over time. We may not be able to access it perfectly, but we know enough and we can identify that which is true and and be sovereign citizens under god not uh, controlled by by these uh, groups that think they know better and that's uh, these are it's a very powerful and alluring force to be a part of a movement that wants to control the world and and you can convince yourself that you can you know altruistically do improve life uh, and, and yet it's based on a false premise you cannot and have no right to control the life of any other citizen you can have influence, but you cannot use the mechanisms of deception and, and outright war to enact your vision, however good you may think it is. Yeah, that's a big uh, piece of this is that the mindset of the elite from, from their writings is that, well, there is no God ultimately really. Now, some of them at a higher level may believe in an in a entity or spirit or Lucifer or whatever, but most of the time they have an atheistic 
approach and they say, since it's all just sort of chaos, we got to step in and control and steer the chaos. So this is what yeah. Russell says. This is what uh, Salk says. This is what, uh, you know, the, the, all the people over at DARPA say, you know, we have to control the evolutionary process because it's chaotic. It's just random mutations. And if we can steer it, then we are justified in, you know, doing whatever we want, right? So if we need to do human experimentation, if we need to engage in uh, mind control, if we need to engage in, uh, you know, the stuff that Alfred Kinsey did, you know, under the Rockefeller uh, Aegis, it's all okay because it's for some quote, greater good, but that's crazy. I mean, we never know what the greater good is, right? I mean, ultimately this greater good serves only some, you know, top 0.01%. That's crazy. That's not the greater good. I mean, no. if, and if that's the case, then, then anybody could just determine what, I mean, uh, can I just, I'm a God emperor, I'm gonna blow up everybody. And Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply the whole planet and it's just going to be me going into the future and I'll merge with the silicon. I mean, <laughs> is that the greater good, right? So if, if we don't have objective principles of good or what the good is, and if everything is, by the way, subject to, to evolution, then there's not a greater good, right? Because the good itself would be also subject to this uh, never ending process of evolution. So th there can never be any objective principle, metaphysical uh, uh, reality or, or fact in that kind of a worldview. Most of the time, if I get into a debate with a, you know, the, a big evolutionary proponent, I'll just ask them that. I'll say, is the principle of evolution itself also subject to evolution? I've never had any of them give a coherent answer to that. But I would say the same thing for Klaus and, and, and the whole transhumanist crew. And, and Klaus does in the book with transhumanism. He says that oh, yeah. you know, we, we will evolve into being these uh, silicon-based, you know, living in uh, living in on a CD-ROM and <laughs> Bill Gates's uh, you know motherboard or something
it sounds very kind of like Scientology a little bit there, but uh, that's a good point. Yes. And, and I think that it all comes down to the theory of evolution, which of course, uh, Darwin said that all of life somehow magically emerged out of a small warm pond uh, in his diary. And uh, that once you accept that idea that every, then you have to believe that every human being is at a different rung in the evolutionary chain. Yes. And they believe this, they believe that they are superior, that they have a higher level due to some kind of a super consciousness and that therefore they have a moral right and, and even an obligation to control those who are on lower rungs for biological reasons, to evolve the species into a new kind of race, actually. And it is racist. I was, uh, totally. As I was watching the uh, that movie, uh, Waking Life, the other night, we did an analysis of that. And, and in the film, there's all these vignettes where uh, Richard Linklater uh, is kind of going through and, and interviewing all of these different professors, probably at UT Austin or somewhere, I don't know where, but... And, and, each one of these professors all has one common feature amongst all their varying, what some of them are relativists, some of them are Darwinists, some of them are pragmatists, Nietzschean, blah, 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 postmodernists. They all have the same basic line, which is, well, we all know that we're all evolving. And one of the last ones that he interviews, I, I can't remember if it's a literary professor or, or a Nietzschean guy, but some, some professor in the film says, oh, uh, if you look at Nietzsche and Plato, he says those were two human beings that were truly evolved and were truly human. And if you compare them to the rest of the mass of humanity, the rest of humanity, he says, aren't even human. You can't even count them as persons. And he says that what we need to do is engineer the world such that we produce more Nietzsche's and Plato's and basically get rid of the rest of the, the refuse. Okay. That's crazy. Uh, number one, Nietzsche and Plato are pretty much polar opposites in terms of, I mean, Pl Nietzsche hated Plato. So what that shows you is that, mm -hmm. so it's nothing about the actual, you know, achieving of truth here. It's just what the world hails as great men. I mean, that's not a, it's not a valid, I mean, I don't agree with, you know, randomly picking, you know, oh, this is the magic IQ number of everybody above 150 or something like that. That's crazy too. But even just picking random, it, it, what I'm saying is it doesn't make sense, right? I mean, right. It doesn't, it doesn't. It's arbitrary. And they, and they actually believe this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, here at, at MIT, in my neck of the woods, we have the Kurzweil Institute. And uh, Ray Kurzweil was a, a certainly a brilliant, uh, you know, computer scientist. He developed the talking mm -hmm. book, which helped Stevie Wonder be able to read. I mean, great accomplishments. But he went on to really kind of go off the deep end with his institute. I've interviewed some people there. They believe that, that they're going to evolve a new human species that's going to include computer elements that will give you, you know, super consciousness and super, ass, you know, immediate access to knowledge, will monitor your health to the degree that you'll live to be 200. You'll have perfect everything. It's sort of like the Ubermensch. And, uh, you know, th these guys really, uh, you know, they, 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 you should see them. I mean, they're like, you know, they're the glassy eyes, they're like cult figures. They believe this stuff. I mean, it's a, uh, these are serious people, you know, this is, uh, this is what the people believe who are manipulating the Dominion software to create a vote. They believe that they have a moral obligation to do this. You know, they, they'll flat out lie, which is not a problem because it's all for this greater good. You could look at the Secretary of State in Michigan being asked, why is it you won't allow for a forensic audit in Wayne County, which is something that she was elected to do. She said, we don't need it. Everything's fine there. But when you watch her say that, you can see that she's not, not only is she lying, but 
she's convinced herself to, because this is for the greater good, they have to do this in order to accomplish what they want, which is stop Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on, on a presuppositional level, you could critique that by saying, so the assumption is that it's good to do things for the greater good. Right. <laughs> what is then, the reason, by what reason should we follow the idea that it's good to do things for the greater good, right? So it's kind of a circular thing, but. Because they're intelligent, more, more smarter than us, according to them. Well, self-appointed. Don't we all just from a, a, a mythology or literary perspective, we know the story of the evil genius, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Now, if that's an archetype in pop culture and Klaus Schwab seems to look and act literally just like a Bond villain, I mean, is IQ really the only thing needed to perfect society or, or run society? No, you, you, got, you can't just have IQ. You've also got to have virtue, I would say. Without virtue, I mean, geniusness and intelligence can be used for evil. I mean, exactly. Look at, look at Hitler. I mean, he's no dummy. I mean, no, every, every dictator acts <laughs> presumably in some way like an evil genius archetype. That's right. So, no. so I mean, you know, ultimately we have a siege against the biblical worldview, and and that's what we're looking at right now, which is that man and women were created equal under God. You know, the book of Genesis says it clearly, and that's reflected in the American political philosophy that all men are created equal. You know, it's just a, this is the, this is what we're looking at in terms of what's under siege right now. I remember when they, when they first rolled out the diapers <laughs> that were all, uh, somebody made a comment in passing uh, that, oh, this is a, a kind of a cult type of thing to skew the image of God. Now I know that the image of God is not just reduced to our face, but there is a sense in which the face is kind of a direct, you know, think of Moses, you know, he goes on the mountain to speak to God face to face. I know that God doesn't literally have a face, but still the point is that there is some sense in which, and then when Moses comes down the mountain, his face is, you know, shining with uh, divine glory because he's been in the presence of God. I think there is some connection there between uh, the face and the image of God. And there yeah. is something at first when I heard people say this, so that's a little much. Now I think there's something to that. I think it's, you know, this, the elite, they like, uh, certain world religions, I S L A M, <laughs> right. Because it has this, um, enslaving kind of feature to it and yeah. it, it mars and, and masks that image. And I think the same thing is going on here. They want to, they want to do this sort of subjecting of the masses and, uh, you know, think about that, that white paper from the elite, uh, changing images of man, right? You, you no longer have a, uh, humans made in the image of God, which gives people dignity and rights, uh, biblically speaking. It's, it's similar to the way that Far Eastern religions, when they, since they don't believe that man is made in the image of God, there's no similarity between um, creator and creature in that sense, then you lose all rights. You're just another manifestation of of you know cattle or, or beasts of the field or mm -hmm. um uh plant life right you're like a, a more complex version of monkeys or plant life so if we if we adopt those kinds of worldviews it's not only bad for us as individuals if the whole society ends up becoming they they de they're dehumanized what i'm trying to say yeah i mean i, I think you described the, the, that far eastern view uh that in a sense everyone is part of everything else yes that that time there was no creation everything is eternal somehow everything never had a beginning never and everything just recycles end. right so when you die you just get recycled into yeah um yeah and i think we lose the 
importance of being made in the image of God in that, in that regard. Well, that's the great contribution of the of the Torah, the uh, the Bible, the idea that that man is unique, that we're not like all other living creatures. I mean, we have similarities and that we're emotional beings and that we have instinct, but we have the ability to reason. We have the ability to use language. We can describe and name things. Adam named all of the animals and plants. That was the first thing he did once he uh, was created and had consciousness. And as such, we can assimilate knowledge and, and build on knowledge to create our civilization so that we can improve life. Yeah, um, there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind, uh, you know, one thing that the Mosaic Revelation did was it contrasted the the God of the Bible, who's a God that enters into covenant relationship with, yes. with humans, as opposed to the deities of the surrounding cultures that were sort of just natural forces and typically required, you know, pretty heinous types of things like human sacrifice, Moloch, yeah. this kind of stuff. So there's a there's a powerful uh, uh, shaking up, right? Uh, there was an author who wrote a uh, comparison of the Egyptian account of Egyptian religion versus what Moses br brings. And one of those is, is basically the, the point is that the, that what Moses is doing in those miracles against Egypt is basically one by one, he's sort of taking down each of the Egyptian deities and showing well, that. Isn't that the whole tension of the entire struggle of the children of Israel right up to the time of the, exile in Babylonia, where they seem to have gotten over it. And that is the, the temptation toward idol worship. Yes. And idol worship is something that is artificial. It's a false god. It is manipulated by the state. It's manipulated by people in power who put words in its mouth and who then uh, claim to be able to create reality. They can create existence as have opposed you, to... Right. Have you ever read the... Uh... I know it's not in the it's not in the Jewish canon, but there's the apocryphal chapter that's in the Orthodox canon of uh, it's it's called Bell and the Dragon. It's like the extra chapter of Daniel. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Have you are you familiar I have with that? Not no. Well, it's funny because so it's this story about how uh, the pagan empire had had built this big sort of mechanical thing. It was like a it was like a Dagon or dragon or something, and then. And Daniel, the story is that Daniel notices that it has a, 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 a trap door <laughs> where the, the priests crawl into it and they basically uh -huh. make it move. So it's like a machine, basically. Right. And Daniel calls it out as not a real thing, right? It, it's, it's fake. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a good analogy for the way that the elite today are saying, oh, you know, we're going to have this new God that's going to, it's an emergent deity from within within the material realm. It'll be this, you know, self-conscious, vast AI computer system, and you'll be linked into it and all this stuff. And, you know, Daniel's kind of sitting there saying it's it's not real. I mean, it's real in the yeah. sense that there is a thing there, but it's it's, it's not a God. Yeah. I mean, and, um, you know, that's, that's in a sense what we are charged to do as conscious uh, individuals under God created in the image of God, which is to call out the lie, to identify truth, and to amplify truth, and to put the lie in 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 abeyance, so to keep a check on it. You so know what Klaus says? That yeah. reminds me too. And so, in the first few chapters of the book, he says that we haven't to have a new covenant, and he uses covenant language, right? Hmm. Religious language, consciously biblical language. He says. We have to inculcate the whole planet into a new covenant that's not about deities, but about the worshiping of the ecosystem itself. 
That's what he says. Yeah. So, so he's based. So if you compare the 10 commandments, right? Mosaic law. And yes, I think Jesus absolutely upholds the 10 commandments. You have to follow the 10 commandments. There's no yeah. question about it. There's no d- division between those two in terms of the 10 commandments. Uh, I don't think there's any division between the two. Ultimately, that's a different issue. But so you've got the Ten Commandments. That's that is the natural moral law. It's it's consistent. And then you've got man's law over here, which is we're going to once again worship the the creature rather than the creator. We're going to make you subservient. And all this does is is uh, what is what do the prophets always say? Right, the idol maker becomes like his idol. He's deaf, dumb, blind, and can't speak. Right. I mean, I think that it was St. Augustine who pointed out that the, uh, the servant is freer than the, uh, the king because the servant only has to serve one master where the king has to serve as many masters as he has vices. And, you know, if, you, if you're involved in the worship of false ideas and false gods, then you're not free. And, you know, what, we're, what we see in it today is the same thing that... Uh, the ancient children of Israel had to deal with in terms of the temptation of idol worship. It's the temptation of things of modern uh, tech, modern ideas like Nazism and communism. Well, like the, you know, the worship of the great, uh, the God of, of technology, I suppose, and how it's manipulated. Yeah, all, and, all of these systems are, are man's, uh, well, one of the, you mentioned Augustine, one of the things he talked about was the city of God versus the city of man. And the city of man is always trying to erect, like you said, another version of Babel. It just never, it never stops. They keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. But the new Babel is much more uh, seductive because it has all this, you know, uh, tech smoke and mirrors. So I think people are going to uh, be much more tempted to buy into achieving divinity or something like that. And I've got all these TV shows, you know, where you're like, Oh, I'm uploaded to the cloud. You're you're not gonna. Your soul can't be uploaded to a cloud. That's crazy. And it's hard to know what's true and not true. I mean, it's uh, and it's getting more difficult because of the more hermetic control that they are exercising over the means of communication. And um, and I do think, by the way, that uh, that Jesus's ministry was completely consistent with the Torah, and uh, that he even said, I think, in the Book of Acts, that. Um, He's attributed to having said that not one jot or tittle of the entire Torah should be in any way abrogated until the, until the end of time. It's Matthew 5, but yeah. Thank you. So, uh, you know, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who want to tamper with the word of God and with uh, that which is outside of their ability to tamper. And I know that this sounds a little melodramatic to say this, but I do think that that's what we're up against right now to bring things back to where we started with this coup attempt in this election. I'm not suggesting that Donald Trump is a perfect person or anything like that, you know, but he represents a movement that is in a sense, I mean, a classic American movement. It's a, you know, put, it's, it's things that are obviously true and that make common sense. You put your nation first, just like you put yourself and your community first over others as a way to then be able to do good for others. You can't help someone else unless you help yourself first. And, you know, this is against this idea of a world order where we sacrifice and sublimate our own interests for some kind of fuzzy international idea, which is never articulated and which is, in my opinion, satanic. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's <clears throat> it's it's reversed in that, you know, the, the left mindset always feels like their 
going to do all this great stuff for all of this generic idea of the the you know global village or whatever and they don't realize that you have to start with you <laughs> like you, how are you going to do this so it's it's a weird kind of uh almost narcissism where it's like you know my uh, ideas even though they're individual in the sense of the individual leftist who's coming up with this salvation plan that they have in their head is supposedly for the masses but it's the most weird narcissistic thing i think uh, oh, yeah. totally. the first interview that you did with horowitz he was making this point that 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 uh, savior mindset is is it's inverted like it's backwards right so if you really wanted to help uh you know other people your community and so forth you would start with yourself you would transform yourself and then that would spill out you know to the people around you but mm -hmm. you can't there's no such thing as this you know giant blob that you're going to uh save and there's no better example of this being the globalist uh, philosophy than uh, uh huxley's book perennial philosophy where he basically just says we're gonna we gotta erase the idea of, of personhood and people being made in the image of god and just collapse everybody into a giant global blob so right and huxley also talked about an international concentration camp based on pharmaceuticals uh that that we would all be uh you know and if you look at society today most people are on some kind of a pharmaceutical uh so jay i mean i've cool. written a book about god as i see it now I'm writing a sequel, which is going to be about Satan. <laughs> so I am wondering, since I have you here as the equivalent of a great theologian, I mean, you've got this incredible- <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah. No, I mean, I've watched your videos. You've got a, such a deep knowledge of faith and, and, and the history of faith. How do you define Satan? Uh, I believe that he is uh, spoken of uh, in many places in, in the law and the prophets, uh, I think he's spoken of in Ezekiel 28. I spoke, I think he's spoken of in uh, Isaiah 14. I, I think he is the same as Lucifer. I think he is a, uh, the highest of God's angelic creatures who rebelled. I think there was a, an original rebellion uh, at some point early on. And uh, so he took uh, a number of the angelic hosts with him and then they constitute the sort of the spiritual realm of demonic forces so i would say he is a personal um angelic entity uh who is very powerful who's very intelligent uh probably can appear very beautiful uh and very deceptive um but yeah that's what i, I, would, I would say and he's the en enemy of humanity and so anything that has the image of god uh, satan satan hates right so it's the inverse of god which is love and and good yes exactly uh, so, Jay, listen, I, I, I appreciate you joining me as always. And um, please let my listeners and viewers know where they can get your book and, and watch your videos. Uh, so I have two books on movie symbolism, uh, Esoteric Hollywood 1 and 2, and you can just get those at the shop at my website. And then I have, uh, uh, that's at jaysanalysis.com. And then I've got a YouTube channel and then all the other social medias. And I've been hosting the uh, fourth hour of uh, A-L-E-X Jones. <laughs> Good. Interesting so. stuff. He's great. All right, Jay, listen, thanks so much as always. I really appreciate Thank you. it. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. 
Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 